Hello, everybody, and welcome to the History Voyager. My name is Benjamin Kitchings. As always, there are a zillion podcasts out there. Thank you very, very, very much for listening to mine. Episode 203 of the History Voyager is with a friend of mine. This man became disabled via an accident, and he will get into that in this episode. And then he will talk about his COVID experience. So, here's what I wanted to say. I talked with him at first in this episode in fairly halting uh, language because I didn't quite know how to talk about some of this stuff without talking about the fact that we actually know each other. So I'm going to say it here. I know this person. I know him personally. He's a friend of mine. Um, so if you have any questions about why I had him on the show, the main reason was I thought, you know, somebody becoming disabled is something people need to hear about. And, you know, I thought it was interesting enough to record. And I've wanted to talk to Josh for on the show for as long as I've been talking to people on my shows. And he finally cleared off some time out of his calendar. And we actually um, had a pretty good episode. Anyway, so that's what I wanted to say. Um, also, this episode is kind of not safe for work as far as some of the realities of of being disabled as far as you know we talk about UTIs and things like that so if you really don't want to hear about a UTI maybe you need to give this one a skip or whatever but I don't think you need to give this one a skip I think you should hear it um anyway Thanks a lot, folks, and like I always say, I'm having a good day, and I hope you are too, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye now. Hey, everybody, this is Ben Kitchings, the History Voyager. I'm here with uh, a guest named, I guess we could call you Josh, or do you want to? Josh is fine. Josh is fine. Josh. And Josh, we're going to talk. I've been wanting to talk to him for for a while. Um, since Basically, since I started talking to folks on my show. And we, I want to talk to you about, basically about uh, being a disabled person, but how you got in that situation. And also what your COVID experience has been like. Sure, sure. So why don't you kick it off, man? All right. So let's see. In a nutshell, um, the way I became disabled is, um, well, I'll just explain it. I was riding a dirt bike. Um, I was visiting my um, my uncle in Pennsylvania. And I was riding his dirt bike. Um, just my cousin and I were riding around in, in, uh, in the, in the forest and along these trails and whatnot. And there was a bridge that we happened upon, uh, that was made up of railroad. It was an old railroad, um, train trestle and, it was not in the best shape, um, but my cousin drove over it, and I proceeded to drive over it, and I basically just, you know, I, I either wasn't going fast enough or um, I lost my, you know, footing at some point, um, but essentially my, the, the, we think that the tire, the front tire, um, sort of fell into a rut because a couple of the railroad ties had fallen over. So instead of it being sort of like a a smooth 
surface to ride over. It was, um, it was the opposite of that. And so if, if you were going fast, you probably would be, would be fine to traverse the whole thing. Um, but I was trying to be careful and, uh, essentially my bike front tire seems to have potentially gotten stuck and launched me over the side off the side of the bridge. And, um, I essentially fell. I think we measured it out to be somewhere in the ballpark of like 45 feet. Um, and I, uh, I did have a helmet on at the time, but ultimately landed on some kind of rock that was covered by a plank of wood. And it was, you know, uh, basically I broke my back at level T3. No. Yeah, T3. And then they fused my back from T2 through T5, I think it is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I fell, fell off the side of a bridge and, um, the bike ended up landing on top of my leg as well. Um, my cousin, kind of turned around right as as I was falling off and he was able to come down and uh and grab the bike off of me and then he spent about I think we were probably about 30 minutes from home so he raced home got some folks and raced back and um they eventually got some I don't think they could get a <clears throat> an ambulance all the way out there but they went as far as they could and then used my uncle's truck um, and four-wheeler to, to get me back, um, to get me into the hospital and all that good stuff. Um, okay. So that's it in a nutshell, I guess. All right. So I guess, like, after the accident, you want to uh, go into what happened after that? Or not? Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, and, and remember, like, remember, this isn't just you and me. This is, this is the internet. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, no. I mean, um, so I guess I'm not sure of the exact context per se of what we're driving home here, but um, I would just say my. You know, my experience was first off that I don't really remember the accident itself. Mm. Um, I, I've, you know, I remember riding up to the bridge potentially, but I don't have any actual memory of what caused the accident other than just, you know, thinking through it from a physics perspective and, and realizing that, you know, had yeah. I been going over the bridge at, you know, 30 miles an hour, I probably would be um, on the other side before I could blink an eye. Um, but, uh, you mean on the other side of existence or on the other side of the bridge? Like, no, no, no. Other side of the bridge. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, All right. but yeah, I would have, I would have sped across the bridge. No problem. You know, any kind of, you know, yeah. inertia is your friend. Um, but, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so, so my experience from then was, you know, really just, you know, I was told that they, you know, raced me to the hospital, the local hospital. It was kind of a rural town, so they pretty quickly uh, threw me in, an, in a helicopter and flew me to uh, Thomas Jefferson Hospital, which was in Philadelphia, which was a, probably a, uh, maybe a hour, two-hour drive. I can't remember exactly. Um, but obviously yeah. by flight, it was a lot quicker. Um, so yeah, went, went to the hospital again, don't really remember a lot of this. I have like little images here and there. I do remember being stuffed into almost like a, like a padded coffin or something, which was the, which is the, uh, the helicopter. Um, you know, they, yeah. they basically put you in a real small space and, um, you know, I remember I was injured on the 28th, and I don't think they did the surgery until the I'm 30th. sorry, 28th of, uh, 20th December. of December. Yeah, okay. December 2001. Uh, December 2001, 
the 28th, I was injured. And then two days later, I think is when they actually did the fusion um, of my back and everything. Uh, but it was really touch and go. I mean, they probably yeah. had me on a lot of medicine to keep me comfortable and all that good stuff. Um, okay. But, uh, but no, I would say just like sort of to, to, you know, make a long story short, if you will. Um, I, I really just, you know, everyone that I was around was so incredibly positive and, um, it was really hard to not every, okay, wait, everyone you were around, is it, are we talking your family or are we talking? No, no hospital. I mean, yeah, my family, the okay. hospital, the okay. therapist that, okay. you know, that eventually, um, uh, that okay. I eventually worked with after I had, you know, cause I, I ended up staying in, in the hospital in Philadelphia for almost a month because there was all kinds of logistical issues with getting me home. I couldn't just okay. sit in the car. Why, why don't we drill in? Um, that's crass. Why don't we talk about or expand on, uh, the logistical issues? Cause that's, that's the reason I wanted to talk to you was to, to get into maybe the logistical issues of all this, uh, event in your life, if you will. Yeah. No, no, no. That's, that is, that's what I was looking for. Some, some, okay. uh, focus. So yeah, I would say, um, yeah. Do you have any specific questions thus far that I can expound upon or? Well, yes. <laughs> Actually, I do. Please. Um, so, first of all, first off, uh, this podcast, um, in general is an oral history cleverly disguised as a podcast, right? Yes, so, yeah. what I want to do is, like, you're a person, so I want to get your history like your personal history mm-hmm. so when we're talking about racing a dirt bike or i guess not racing but driving a dirt bike in a country road in Philadelphia, in pennsylvania uh is this something you had done in the past or or was this kind of a new thing for you at the time um so i would i believe when i was I don't remember the exact age. I want to say maybe somewhere between 11 and 13. Um, I lived, I lived in Florida on a three acre, you know, a little plot of land or whatever. And I had a, an enduro bike. So it was kind of like street could be street legal, but also had some knobby tires a little bit and, uh, whatnot. So, um, I had some experience with riding, um, up until that point I was 20 when I was injured. So, um, and I, and also at the time I was living in Florida, um, when I was 20 as well. And I did not have a car. All I had was a, like a CBR 600 sort of like street, you know, street racer kind of bike, if you will. Okay, good. Okay, so while you were in the hospital before you were transported before you were transported out, do you remember the doctors or the social worker or somebody I get well, okay, let me back up again. So I get, I assume there was a social worker that was involved at some point or is that an assumption? Um there was a social worker that was involved, I believe um, in Philly before I was transferred to Shepherd Center in Atlanta. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, not cool that, I mean, just, cool no, I, we're no need to, story. yeah, no, 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 <laughs> I, I get it. Life is cool. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, okay. So, okay. So the was there a point where the doctors might have suggested you need a social worker or how did that happen or do you, are you even aware of that? No, 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 totally unaware. I mean, basically, I'm okay. I'm at I'm at you know um, Thomas Jefferson Hospital, and I need to get to Atlanta because that's the closest hospital 
to where my mom to lives. Right, to Florida. Well, not to Florida because my mom lived in Georgia at the time, and it was basically that I was going to be moving back in with her until I was able to get back on my feet. So to speak. Say. <laughs> so to speak. Exactly, yes. Okay, okay. Yes, sir. Okay. So, so, so essentially my point, I guess, is the case manager, the, the, whatever the, the social worker, whatever it was, they get assigned to each person in the hospital. In my experience, even when you go inpatient because you have a broken, well, nobody's going to get a broken leg and go into inpatient, but, but essentially anytime you go inpatient to most hospitals, you get assigned a case manager and it's their responsibility to help and and sort out things of a logistical nature. Sort out what you need, so to speak. Yeah, whether I'm going home and I need, you know, right. a shower chair or I'm going home and I right. need transportation or whatever, that's their responsibility or uh, okay. forte. Which brings me to a I mean, I, I suppose we ought to say right, right, right off the top. Uh, here we are, 13 minutes in. Uh, Josh and I actually know each other, so I, j- I just want to tell the internet, like, if if we sound familiar or whatever, or in this case, we don't sound familiar, it's <laughs> because we know each other. And I'm just recording this for posterity's sake, I guess, uh, which is going to be on the internet. So, um. Now, years ago, I think you might have told me how you ended up uh, traveling from Philadelphia to uh, Atlanta. And I seem to remember there was some problems there, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, no, no. It was, I mean, at the time, I wasn't really focused on those types of logistics in terms of, you know, concerning myself with them. I was, you know, obviously my mind was elsewhere, um, but it was something that the... What what was your mind on? I think we should say that. Mm, Just, I guess, just existing. I mean, just trying to to figure out my new existence. And, you know, basically when you you have a spinal cord injury... um, when you acquire one, uh, you have, well, first off, it depends on the, the level of injury you are, the type of injury you are. There's a million different components that affect the way that your life is. I mean, I know people who have injury levels that are in the, uh, let's see, is it low? Yeah, in the lumbar section. And, you know, they're able to stand and sort of like, waddle a little bit to the point where they put their wheelchairs in the back of their vehicles and and sort of waddle to the to the front seat and and are able to drive away so yeah. you know every single injury is is completely different from another um okay so so I was just trying to you know take in what they were teaching me um I had a really great physical therapist um that just, you know, kept things lively. And I think that's probably the key, you know, takeaway, I would say. You know, obviously, if you're going to, if you're the type of person that is going to be in a situation like this and you're going to, you know, be insanely depressed and 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 all of that stuff, then that's just how you're going to be. But I've, I am typically just, you know, I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. Even if, you know, I'm sad inside, I'm typically, I try to, not try to be, I just, it's just a natural disposition to, um, you know, to to be, uh, I don't know, I just feel like either get busy happy or get busy being happy or get busy dying or, you know, whatever you want to say. Well, the, 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 I think the movie quote is get busy living or get busy dying. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's, so that's the movie quote. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but yeah, that's that. That yeah. that was my mind focus. My mind was was on, you know, how am what am I going to be able to do? What what does the future hold? You know, is this 
you know, also keep in mind, I broke both of my hands. I broke. Yeah. Um, I was in a full cast on one hand and I was in a thumb spike up to my elbow um, on another hand. So I was completely dependent on everyone else in the very, very beginning. I couldn't do anything for myself okay. at all. Let me ask, can I ask you a question? Um, That's what we're here for. Was, because, I mean, for for the folks in the internet, I've actually heard this story before. It's been, been years since I've heard this story. Um, sure. I've heard it before. I'm, I know you know that. I'm just saying to the... The, the people of the internet. Yeah. Um, but I don't honestly remember if there was any um, thoughts at some point that you might have problems with your hands going forward. Was that the case or? No, 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 no. That was, that's definitely, um, you know, I mean, at at the initial outset of it, I would have taken whatever I had and, and dealt with it or whatever. But, no, it was never in my mind that my hands would would be of any uh, detriment or, you know, whatever. There wouldn't be any negative okay. impact to those. Okay, so your hands uh, – okay. So when you – were transported to Shepherd from Philadelphia. How, how did that did that happen in an ambulance, or how did that happen? No, so so basically, the social worker had to work through um, a couple of things. I think there was an issue with my insurance um, paying for it. They, you know, there was, you know, it was it was Blue Cross and Pay, Blue Shield paying for Shepherd. We should say no, no, no. Paying for the flight to Atlanta. Okay, okay. So, so they, so little, uh, and I don't know if I ever explained this before, but I worked at a job um, in which I achieved, you know, full time status, like probably, I don't know. 20 days before my injury, before my accident, I acquired, I achieved full-time status. Therefore I got insurance and was able to, you know, being stated literally my insurance um, started eight days before my accident. I don't even think I paid my first, um, you know, $50 premium or what it was. So I'm certain that the insurance company was fighting this, insurmountable, you know, bill that they were about to have to pay after this person literally just signed up for services. Um, and so I know that there was a lot of back and forth with that. So, so that was the issue. That was the logistical problem that took place. Um, when, yeah, when I was, uh, trying to get to Atlanta and and there was, there also was an issue with, um, with my insurance paying for Shepherd Center because Shepherd, you know, was kind of expensive and, um, uh, you know, all that other stuff. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I believe Medicare, no, excuse me, Medicaid, um, uh, assisted with with the payment of of all of that. So. Yeah. I think uh, for my international audience, uh, we should sort of say uh, most Americans uh, who have insurance uh, have insurance through their either through a job or I think these days through the Affordable Care Act. Uh, but this, this was obviously pre-Affordable Care Act. Well, not yeah. obviously, not obviously, but it was. It was yeah. It was, Free affordable. I'm just saying that for the, the sure. In, you know, like I always tell people, I'm, nobody's more amazed than me than anybody other than my two best friends, little sister, and parents. Listen to this, but that, <laughs> that is the case. Uh, you know, hi folks, how you doing? Uh, but um, okay, 
So we get in this country, we get insurance through uh, through our jobs and also through the Affordable Care Act uh, these days. But this is pre-Affordable Care Act. But Medicaid is something for uh, low-income people and also, I guess, it for uh, old folks. And I'm forgetting all the fo- – I'm forgetting all the, the stuff. <laughs> Medicaid itself is, yeah. is primarily income based. So okay. at the time I didn't have a job and everything else. So I was going to be eligible for that. And then once I was on that, I want to say for two years, then based on my disability, I was eligible for Medicare, which is typically only for the elderly, but also falls into some disability situations as well. But yeah, those basically it was the state or the government or whatever that was assisting with my care, along with the massive bill that Blue Cross and Blue Shield took on. Okay, okay. And we should also say, I mean, people in other countries know this, but uh, America, I think the America pays more out of pocket, and it's like our our medical our medical costs are. Higher than any other yeah. country in the world, basically. Uh, yeah. So, okay. All right. So, moving right along. So, like, you were – so you get to the airport. What's it like to push did, – did you push yourself in the airport? Uh, I, I don't have a ton of recollection to this situation, but um, okay. basically they – it was all stretcher-based. So, okay. so, I went on – so I went from the hospital in an ambulance on a stretcher into, you know, basically took that ambulance to the airport. And it was a small airport because it was a small plane. It was just like a little. So, um, so it wasn't like a 747. It wasn't like a. No, 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 no. Okay. I okay. basically, it, there was enough room in the plane for myself, the pilot, the my mom, some medical staff and whatnot. It was very, it was a very small plane. Okay. Probably scary as hell. Let me, <laughs> let I me ask you, <laughs> yeah, let me ask you a question. Um, now, like I said earlier uh, in the show, uh, we know each other, so I know you have siblings. Yep. Uh, where were your siblings in all this? So most of them at the time were still living with my mom in Georgia. So, okay. Yeah. And had, okay. So, and I was living, I was living in Florida with one of my other sisters at the time of the injury. So we all, we all went up to Pennsylvania as like a little mini family reunion, if you will. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So let me ask. Um, okay. So did they, did your siblings, did they fly to Atlanta eventually or with you or on a different plane or at all? Most of them had already flown by the time. I mean, remember I was in the hospital at Shepherd, I mean, at, um, in Pennsylvania for almost Thomas 30 Jefferson. days. Yes, um, Thomas Jefferson. Okay. Almost 30 days or maybe even it was 30 days. So I didn't end up getting to Shepherd until like the beginning of February. So February 1st or something like that. Wow. And by then, my whole family had taken their, you know, the flights that they had back to, you know, their respective areas, which, again, most of them were or in uh, Georgia at the time. And that's why I went to Shepherd in Atlanta was because that was the closest spinal cord injury hospital. Okay. To my mom. Okay. So you get to Shepherd, uh, stretcher based. So what was Shepherd like at first? And then how did it, how did that evolve? So because I had broken both of my arms, there was basically nothing that I could do at Shepherd that was of any meaningful 
you know, experience, if you will. Um, at, so at first, at first, right? so so what they did, okay. yeah. So in the very beginning, I basically, I think I spent ten days at Shepherd learning logistics of, you know, now being paralyzed and how my mom was going to have to take care of me until my, um, until my, you know, hands were, were, um, out of the casts. Um, so once, uh, once I was at Shepherd for, for 10 days, I basically went home with the knowledge of using like a Hoyer lift, which is a, you know, it's like a, a, a lift with a strap and it has a, a wide base that slides underneath a bed so that you can take somebody that, you know, cause I couldn't bear weight on my hands whatsoever. Um, so they basically had to use this sling and a lift to get me out of bed and put me into my chair. And, um, yeah, that was, that was basically okay. where it all started was, um, the recovery started at home for about two months for, um, my hands to be completely healed so that I could start to do physical therapy. Okay. Did you ever, now again, I have a recollection of this story and the recollection I have is that you went back to Shepherd. Is Correct. that true? Yeah. Okay. After two, after two months, I got the casts off my hands and then they, you know, we, we basically sorted out when I was going to go back to Shepherd and do inpatient for, I want to say I was there for like four weeks or something. Um, and I, I went back to Shepherd once I was physically able and, um, and basically, um, you know, went through as much physical therapy as I could and went through the okay. whole Shepherd program. All right. Cool. Um, let me, okay. So, hmm. All right. How would you characterize that, the Shepherd program? Um, I mean, from the patient perspective. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, first off, I didn't know what to expect. But years later, I would come to realize that I was extremely fortunate to be able to go through Shepherd opposed to, you know, I've heard of other people having a spinal cord injury and going through a nursing home physical therapy. Like the stories that I've heard from other people over the years is scary to yeah. think how incredibly like uneducated, you know, not only patients, but just the one thing that Shepard teaches you is no matter what happens, you have to be your own advocate when you go to even just the hospital. Like my first experience in a hospital was when I had a UTI up at my mom's and I believe I still had casts on my hands. And I'm literally, um, you know, my okay. one of my legs I, falls out of bed. Go ahead. I know. Okay. So again, for the for the folks, Josh and I are friends. I know about his history with UTIs. Yep. But do you want to drill in that? There's that word again. Do you want to go into that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I yeah. Okay. Let me. Let okay. me finish this one thing and then I'll, I'll dig, okay. I'll dig into that a little bit. But, um, yeah, so I mean, my experience in the hospital was that, you know, my leg is falling off the side of the bed and the nurse comes in and is like, Oh, you're trying to run away from us. I'm like, well, I'm kind of paralyzed. So there's not going to be any running. Could you put my leg back on the bed, please? And, um, so it was just, you know, you really have to educate people as to, you know, put the side rails back up, you know, you gotta pad off your feet, you know, pressure sores are Okay. Pad off know. your feet. What is that? That's basically putting 
a pillow of some kind under your heel so that your leg is not just, you know, digging into the bed and eventually, you know, you, you get a pressure sore from not turning to enough or, you know, not positioning yourself right, especially in the very beginning, um, where your skin is not used to being, uh, you know, sitting in those positions for that length of time. So. Okay. But, let me, uh, ask, you, let me ask you a question. Um, okay. Do you want me to go into the UTIs real, real quickly and then you can ask a question or? Well, no, cause I want you to go into the UTIs because okay. I, I, I don't think people are aware of how, like the, the problems of UTIs and the, sure. What, what's up with that? And, you know, we know each other, so I can't, I mean, I, I don't want to go on Reddit and be like, Hey, paralyzed people, come on my podcast and talk about being paralyzed. <laughs> I mean, I have problems enough getting people from California to talk about California, let sure. alone, I mean, paralyzed uh, people. I'm also from California, so I could talk about that a little bit. No. <laughs> I, I knew that, by the way. That's why, that's why I said California. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I caught an Insta ban from you know the the Brexit subreddit. So I mean, oh my you know, gosh, <laughs> I I could just see catching an Insta ban from the paralyzed subreddit if there is one. I can totally. <laughs> when I go to sleep and I'm sleeping in my bed, okay. Yep. Sometimes, not not even sometimes, I roll around. Yep. Okay. Do you have to prevent yourself from doing that? Because I feel like that could cause serious damage. No, 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 no. I mean, like maybe in a hospital bed, you do want to keep the side rails up, but I don't move. You know, I'm okay for, for the just so that uh, the the folks listening get an image of of my situation. I can't move. 75% of my body. So when I go to sleep, I typically wake up exactly how I went to sleep. Okay. Yeah. So when I, but I do have muscle spasms. So yeah, with, I wanted to talk about that too, because yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen your muscle spasms and they're, and even when I saw them, they, they weren't insignificant at all. Right. So yeah, they, they they can in bed, you know, cause my leg to to shift around a little bit, um especially if, you know, I can roll myself um you yeah. know, left to right and if my leg is positioned a certain way, um you know, even in my bed nowadays, sometimes my leg will get close to the edge and you know, from my knee down well, we'll sometimes fall off the side of the bed or whatever. And I'll have to, you know, sit up and, and reposition it. But, um, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's for the most part, I don't typically move, uh, around at night. Um, uh, but I do usually use, you know, uh, pillows or whatnot to like, say, put a pillow in between my, my knees because those are too bony, uh, yeah. Parts of my body that need padding if I'm going to be laying in a situation for, you know, six plus hours. Well, I and, mean, I, I get it. I mean, you know, like. I'll, I'll also say just yeah. quickly that if at the very beginning of your injury, you really need to move around like every two hours or, or even more. Um, but now. That you, I'm, how do you mean move around? Like you don't want to stay in the same position. Like if you're so imagine you're in a bed and you're laying mm-hmm. you're laying in a bed, you have, you know, probably six positions that you can be in. You can be on your back, you can be on your right side, your left side, you can lay on your yeah. stomach, and and then there's a, a you know, a few yeah. positions in between. But ultimately you want to be alternating between all of those positions throughout the night, every two hours or so, 
when you first get injured. But now that I've been, you know, injured for so many years, I mean, we're, we're, uh, up hitting 20 plus, uh, or about to hit 20 rather. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, and because of that, you know, I typically sleep six hours without moving. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Typically. When you, when- when you say it with like without moving, I, I really sort of, I mean that drives it home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I basically just position myself, go to sleep, and um, you know, yeah. And uh, when I wake up, I wake up. Yeah, but if it's I, I, yeah, if I'm that. if I'm staying yeah. in bed for a long time, like sometimes I do, actually work from from bed, and when I do that, I typically am, you know. Rolling around, uh, you know, I'll, I'll work a little bit on my left side, work a little bit on my right side, just to keep it. Uh, is it something that you have to do? Like, is it something that you have to do? Basically? I mean, I don't need to like set a timer or anything like yeah. that, or set yeah. reminders or anything. It's really just kind of however I. Yeah. Feel. Okay. I would say when I'm in bed, it's pretty. You know, I could probably stay in bed for multiple days without needing to think about moving i just do it yeah okay okay wow um all right so yeah so that was my question so you wanted i want you i wanted you to talk about utis i mean if you want to talk about utis yeah no, no, no. I mean, you, so. there's really not a lot to talk about. It's really just, yeah. it's something that you, um. So, okay. We deal- should, we should say it's a urinary tract infection. Yeah. Right. Exactly. We, should, we need to say that right away. Yep. Yep. Okay. And I also just want to remind you, in case I haven't yet, like this, this is rated not safe for work, this, this podcast. So. Don't worry about it. Usually I do that because people say the F word is a comma. But in this case, we might be talking about, I don't know, we might get to talking about parts of the male anatomy. I'm I'm not. Right. No, exactly. Sure. Exactly. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's important to note that, like, if you're talking about UTIs, there's a reason for them. And that is that my bladder does not drain itself natural okay well it did drain itself naturally in the very beginning um and i would i so um okay so in order for me to drain my bladder when i was very first injured after i went through therapy and and physical therapy and all that occupational stuff um is i wore what's called a condom catheter and that basically is exactly what you'd expect. It's a condom, but then the tip connects to a bag that you wear on your leg or next to your bed. And that, right. would, that would, and what would happen is anytime I had what's, I had what's considered a neurogenic bladder. And at any point in which my bladder filled up, to a certain cc like you know the ideal number would be less than 200 cc's um but as soon as it got to that point the bladder would contract and um yeah. and it would basically just pee and i would just you know i'd pee without having any uh and control over it or whatever if i can ask like why did that stop well I don't know exactly why it stopped other than there's two muscles that have to work together in order Ah. for it to work. And that means one is the bladder has to get to a point in which it squeezes itself, which is what that's a neurogenic bladder. But then there's also um, another muscle. It's kind of like when you have to pee really bad, there's a yeah. muscle that you can control, and when you get to the urinal or whatever, your mind says, okay, it's safe to go, and you release that one muscle that's further down your 
your anatomy and that mm-hmm. releases the actual urine. So what happened over the course of time was that muscle stopped relaxing and it just would stay in a fixed, you know, position fixed, and it would, uh, it, yeah. it would stay taut. And okay. so nothing could pass through. So what would happen is my bladder would, would contract and I would try to, to go. My body would try to go, um, and go as in urinate and it wasn't able to. And I would start to get what's called dysreflexic and okay. my, my body would, um, yeah, yeah, would just start to, would start to freak out a little bit and, and, um, so, so at one point, um, what happened toward maybe 2016, 2015, um, that muscle stopped, never, it never completely stopped doing what it, what it's supposed to. In fact, it would still, I would still go right now. Basically, if I did not have a catheter, um, my body would want to urinate on its own. The problem is, is it won't ever get out everything in the bladder. So that's what, you know, bringing it all home after this long conversation, that is what causes the UTIs. Ultimately, is not draining your bladder all the way. And so that was a, that was a consistent issue that took place really throughout the last 20 years. It, It did go away at periods of time, but I'm pretty sure I've taken a, an antibiotic to, to kill a UTI within the last nine months or so. Um, it's typical that a year won't go by nowadays that I, that I don't take, um, some kind of antibiotic to, to squash a UTI. Yeah. And I should, we should, um, Let's just say, let's just say it like this, uh, without dragging an employer into it or anything, you, you're, you're independent, you're, you're, you're basically independent, you're, you live on your own, essentially, that kind of thing, yep. blah, blah, blah. Yep. All right. The reason I wanted to fast forward through the, the job and all this is I wanted to get to your COVID story because I guarantee you, your COVID story is both somewhat typical and also, very not typical for most people, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, and that that actually is why I wanted you to be on this podcast. So, but I figured we had to get to the first forty six minutes to <laughs> <laughs> sure, textualize sure. it. So, all right. So let's okay for the purposes of. Whatever we're gonna start this, we're gonna say uh, <laughs> COVID nineteen as far as the average American. Or actually, okay. So again, we know each other, folks. I remember talking to you in like January of twenty, mm-hmm. January February of twenty. It was before the NBA closed up. Okay, which the NBA closed up on March fourteenth, twenty twenty. Yes, I've Googled it. Yes, I've Googled a lot. Yes, it's when it closed. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that to me is when I date COVID as far as the, Ameri- the average American knows about COVID now. Correct. Right. Okay. I distinctly remember, distinctly, I remember this. We were talking to each other on the phone either in January, either in December of 19, January of 20, or February of 20. And I was mm-hmm. telling you that story about, man, I saw this video on Twitter of like this, you know, this hospital in Italy and blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. And then you said you popped out with the actual name of COVID, like the actual medical name of COVID. And that's how I learned it. Oh, which is, okay. Which is SARS Cove two. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So when did you become aware of COVID? <clears throat> um Wow, I really don't remember 
I would say January is when I very first heard rumblings of it. Okay. January 2020. And I guess, do you want to say how you heard rumblings of it? Like, it wasn't on Reddit. Okay. (laughs) Um... No, I mean, it was just your typical news feed, either on your phone or on, um, yeah, I want to say it was, it was on the phone, possibly. Um, okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. all right, cool, 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 all right, um, so you got it off your phone, um, and we were talking about it. What was your impressions of COVID at the time? Do you remember? I mean, it wasn't until things started getting locked down and everybody was like, you know, cruise ships were, were, you know, having their issues. And, um, you know, I even distinctly remember them saying like, it's been 17 days and we can still swab, you know, a, an, a surface of a, of the cruise ship and, and find COVID. So, you know, it was like everybody was washing their groceries and, um, you know, there was, you know, leave all the, the non perishables out in the garage for a few days to let COVID die. If it's on your, you know, boxes or whatever. And, um, so yeah. So, I mean that leading up to that, it was really just kind of like, you know, I, I joked with people that I was, preparing for the pandemic since 2015 because um, something <laughs> something else happened in my life in which I lost what's called a baclofen pump, which allowed me to live spasm-free. And, you know, just to, to keep that a, a short story, yeah. um, I basically stopped driving, um, you know, I basically stopped leaving my house. I mean, I basically was living at home, getting groceries delivered from probably 2016 onwards. Um, And honestly, the pandemic made my life easier. Like it turned all the services that I sometimes struggled into getting um, into like things that, you know, you never thought about getting McDonald's delivered to your house before the pandemic. Like, come on, that's ridiculous. That is like the, the epitome of laziness, you know, getting garbage food, you know, wasting somebody's time to get garbage food delivered to your front door. And now everybody does it. So it's like, yeah, worked out in my favor. (laughs) Um, Well, I'll say that I've noticed a lot more, grocery deliveries in this neighborhood. And and even like I don't know if you I don't remember where you're at, but like in um in Winters no Winter Springs, um basically north of Woodstock but south of Canton, I think. To me that's pretty rural and even they have like Uber Eats and yeah. uh, grocery delivery and yeah. all that stuff. It's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. But um Yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah, my my take on the pandemic initially was was not super serial, you know, it wasn't super serious. I don't know why I say serial in place of serious sometimes. <laughs> but uh um I love screwing with words. But anyways, um uh yeah, it wasn't super serious in the very beginning. It wasn't until like probably the middle of 2020 toward the end, you know, toward the third, fourth quarter of, of 2020 that I, you know, um, got really like, not paranoid, but just like, um, was very isolated. Like I I would say in the last, I tell you, there's a thing that I've thought about. And I, I don't know when I had this thought, like when I first had this thought, right? Mm-hmm. But the thought I have now is twofold. One, COVID's not going to go away. Actually, threefold. One, COVID's not going to go away. Two, 
there's what almost a million people who died from it, but also yeah, yeah. three, there's a lot more people that got injured from it than that died from it. Like there's a lot more long COVID than there is right. death. Yeah, yeah. And to me, like those three facts together mean that our world is, you know, changed. Yeah. And also, like, the thing is, like, COVID is, I mean, I I don't, you know, maybe my memory is better than yours, maybe, whatever. Maybe it absolutely is. No, it absolutely is. Yeah. I'm going to go on the record and say your memory is better than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing I remember we talked about was, um, we were talking about how how new COVID was because you had met somebody somehow, and like they were telling you how new this whole family of diseases was. And it just strikes me that you know this could turn like COVID could turn somehow or or whatever. But I don't know. Turn in what way? We don't. Nobody knows if this is as bad as it's going to get. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't know where it's going from here, but it definitely it definitely seems like, A, the populace doesn't care anymore to some degree. Um, you know, yeah. and, and I actually think that's potentially a good thing because otherwise we're all going to turn out like me who doesn't leave their house and is, you know, more morbidly afraid to, uh, you know... I went out to a restaurant the other day for the first time and the restaurant, uh, the, the waiter, like I felt his breath on my face at one point And I thought to myself, if I don't get COVID tonight, I am never leaving the house again. <laughs> like I do not want to be in this position ever again. <laughs> like, like I do not want to be this close to another human being. Um, and, uh, uh, <laughs> so, so I'm definitely scarred. I'm COVID scarred. Even if I didn't get COVID, I'm definitely COVID scarred for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, maybe wear an N95 mask. Uh, you can, you can get those on Amazon these days. Yeah. We can't eat. I mean, oh, true. He, true. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. And I've, I've come to, to realize that. Um, I can either die in my home and not ever go anywhere or simply just adjust the way that I do things. Almost all the restaurants right down the street from my house have outdoor dining. So I just choose to, to do outdoor dining if it's possible. Um, mm. and, and the, the evening that I had with this waiter just won't happen again because we did it on a Friday night. It was like eight o'clock. It was the absolute prime. There was live music. It was insane. And I should have never put myself in that situation. Um, uh, I'm sure you'll be okay. I mean, oh, no, no, no. I'm fine. I'm fine. But even I went out last yeah. night and had dinner. I just did it at five o'clock when nobody else was, you know. So it was a very, like, as I was leaving, the restaurant was starting to fill up and it felt perfect. So I was yeah. like, are, are you are you vaccinated or? I'm not. I'm not vaccinated. Oh, yeah. No, you should probably get vaccinated. Yeah, that's what they say. You know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. I should. I'm not an anti-vaxxer or anything like that. It's just like I don't. You know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's just it is what it is. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, yeah. Not against it by any means, but I've also had friends that have had negative side effects and stuff like that and you know it just it is what it is i i I try to be careful in other ways um and and just you know yeah yeah so that's yeah i I don't know i just thought i'd ask no no it's important i mean it's i do think that it would it would give me more peace of mind but at the same time you know i do feel like COVID is chilled out a little bit not to say that even whatever variant is you know, is running around, um, yeah. could still kill me potentially, but 
you know, there's so much other stuff that could kill me as well. Well, right. Not, not to, I mean, not to be overly morbid or, or seem like I'm lecturing you here because I'm not. I mean, yeah. but uh, to me, I'm not worried about dying. I mean, I'm not worried about dying of COVID because that's right. a ve- that's a very small outcome. What yeah. I'm worried about more and what where I think the legacy of COVID is going to be is more the long-term disability and the um, things like that. Yeah, like one of my friends is getting uh, headaches and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that's from the vaccine, so that's a little bit different. But um, they don't – I don't think they ever got COVID. And, uh, mm-hmm. But they're also a bit of a hypochondriac, so yeah. you know, there, there's – who knows what's actually going on? And maybe they did have COVID and their only side effect was headaches. So, you know, nobody really knows. That's that's the, uh, well, I don't want to say nobody really knows, but had they gotten tested at certain points, maybe they would they would know what actually is, is yeah. going on. But, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right, Josh. Um well, gee whiz. I mean, um, just just to summarize or wrap up my experience with COVID, it's literally just that I don't leave my house, but it's also that I haven't been leaving my house since, you know, long before this. In fact, I probably should have been, you know, doing what I'm doing now, which is working on um, leaving my house more often um, than I was Previously, but it has nothing to do with the pandemic. Um, yeah, and I, I and, will. S- and we should say, I mean, I, I guess, are you? I mean, it's not that you're afraid, cat. It's that actually you leaving the house in your wheelchair is not exactly the easiest thing to do. Yeah, no, it's absolutely I mean, easier to just chill out at home, and and I'm I'm a homebody as well. Like, yeah. I totally enjoy concerts. I totally enjoy going out, you know, doing all that stuff. But even even when I was when I was with a partner and they would drag me out, I would always have a blast when I was out, but I would always fight to go out. <laughs> like it was just, you know, it was just yeah. that was just my personality. So You're a you know, you're an introvert. I mean, I I can tell I can tell the folks that. He's I I would say I'm borderline cuz you put me in a crowd and, you know, yeah. I could light the room up too, you know, or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if, if given the opportunity, but, um, but I am definitely not an extrovert, you know, not yeah, hundred percent anyway. All right. Uh, so Josh, um, is there anything you want to tell the internet before we, before we go? Yeah. Chill out a little bit. Um, no i i i mean just technology is such an interesting thing i work in the tech industry and um, i love technology but i do think it allows us to be a little bit in people's business more than we potentially should so i i do think that uh hopefully technology is not the downfall of of uh you know, humanity, but I love what it does obviously for my career and what it does for you in this podcast. And I think that, uh, it is a fantastic, um, medium. I think it's a fantastic uh, place. And I think the fact that you can start a business, my, my dad, my dad who doesn't know a single thing. I mean, he was the guy who, used a tape uh a tape uh voicemail machine well beyond its its age um he you, he, you mean an answering machine answering machine yeah yeah you can't i guess you can't call it a voicemail when it's when it's uh, <laughs> not digital but um but yeah he he didn't know anything technically and yeah. he eventually got a computer and literally started a business after watching a series of YouTube's YouTube's YouTube videos um, and learning how to to do you know different stuff like it's just yeah. 
The information's amazing. That's awesome. I, I love I love this time. I honestly do, and I'm gonna tell you why. Um, I'm gonna make a couple edits on this thing. I'm gonna throw yeah. it out in the world, and I mean, I, I'm gonna carefully title it something about COVID because I know for a fact Spotify is gonna want to throw this in the COVID ghetto. <laughs> but um, hi, Joe Rogan, how you doing? But. <laughs> Me and Joe in the COVID ghetto together, isn't that nice? <laughs> um, but <laughs> just kidding, folks. Or am I? Um, but no. Um, you know, you know, I love this time. I do. I honestly do. It's, it's so amazing. Um, all right. Uh, Thank you, Josh. Hang on the line with me for a second. But, uh, like I always say, it. folks, uh, I'm having a good day, and I hope you are too. All right, kids. See you later. Bye.